So very happy to be back with everyone after an entertaining race in Miami, to say the least. I feel like there's definitely kind of a million and one things to talk about with everything that went down there, kind of goings-on on the track, actually, and then kind of the surrounding area, because it kind of feels like a fever dream sometimes. I posted on my Instagram, which is at uh, formula101 underscore podcast for those who want to give a follow, a few of the photos that I snagged from social media over the weekend. There's one of Lando and Daniel wearing crop tops with James Corden, who is a talk show host. Uh, People were jokingly blaming James for the team's poor performance that weekend. There was Ted Kravitz with a lady dressed as a mermaid, and Sebastian Vettel was wearing his underwear on the outside of his race suit. Uh, and if you don't believe me, go check it all out. It's all real, all happened. There was a lot going on. But now on to today's topic. If you know the drill, this is one of my shorter, quick, snappy episodes to get you in and out in 15 minutes, where I focus on a singular driver from history, give you a rundown of their stats and records, hopefully just to give you a better picture of the famous names in F1 and to just inform your viewing of the current grid. So for today, I'm talking about someone that a lot of people might recognize like as a picture, a picture of him more than they might recognize his name because this racer was very well known for the the facial hair, the mustache that he had. And if you know who I'm talking about, this is Nigel Mansell. So let's get into it. So he was born in... 1953 in the UK, and he's considered the second most successful British Formula One driver of all time in terms of race wins. He had 31 victories. Obviously, Lewis is well and ahead of everybody, uh, not just all the British drivers. He has 103 wins currently, Uh, but Mansell is seventh overall on the Formula One race winners list. And he held the record for the most poles set in a single season only that was broken in 2011 by Sebastian Vettel. And many would group him in kind of the very top segment of drivers of all time. Now, he first entered F1 in 1980, and he would be around in the sport until the mid-1990s. Now, he only won one championship. But during his career, he had 187 race starts, 32 poles, 31 wins, 59 podiums, 30 fastest laps, and 482 points. And over his career, he would have the time to race with four very successful teams, Lotus, Williams, Ferrari, and McLaren. And one of the coolest parts of his career is that Mansell was the reigning Formula One champion when he moved over to a series in the U.S. known as CART, spelled C-A-R-T. And he became the first person to win the CART title in his debut season and making him the only person to hold both the World Drivers Championship in Formula One and the American Open Wheel National Championship simultaneously. And now CART, I won't get into it a lot at all. It stands for Championship Auto Racing Teams. It was a section, kind of a broken off section of IndyCar that existed until 2003. 
Through the 1980s, the IndyCar World Series became the preeminent open-wheel auto racing series in North America. So this had all the street circuits, the road courses, and the oval track racing that we know today. Like coming up with the Indy 500 is on its way in a few weekends, or maybe next weekend. I hope some of you can catch that. Um, But even though Mansell had kind of a slower start to his career compared to other drivers at the time, he had a pretty big uh, a helping hand, some a big name who was able to help him make his way into F1 through the help of his Formula 3 manager, Colin Chapman, who was the founder of Lotus Cars and their subsequent Formula 1 team. He drove for Lotus from 1980 to 1984 for that first section of his career, and it would take him until 1984 to finish inside the top 10 for the first time. Now, after that, he moved over to Williams. Mr. Frank Williams himself offered him a seat, and in October of 1985, Nigel won his first race at the European Grand Prix. And now a lot of articles would cite Mansell, uh, his 1986 season, as one of the more impressive of his career, but it also ended in heartbreak. He would start off and do well for most of the season, for the majority of it. He won five Grand Prix, but he would lose the world championship when his tire burst with only 19 laps left in the very last race of the season. That would make him finish runner-up that season to Alain Prost. Now, he was with Williams till 1988, and then for the 1989 to 1990 season, so just one, he moved to the red team, the infamous Ferrari. And he became the last Ferrari driver to be personally selected by Enzo Ferrari before his death in August of 1988, and that, uh, that action has uh, borne a lot of importance to Mansell. He's spoken about that, how, how precious he holds that uh, title. And the unfortunate thing about this, this season is that it really didn't turn out to be anything, I think, like what he hoped it would be. This was a season, like we're seeing currently in 2022, of a lot of regulation and structural changes. So this meant that the Ferrari wasn't as competitive as they wanted to be. And so Mansell did not have the success he wanted. He would move back to Williams in 1991. He was runner-up again to in this season, in 1991, but this time to Ayrton Senna. Then it would be the next year. So he would only have to wait one more year after that to get his championship. He won the opening five races that season and went on to clinch the world championship with then record number of wins in one season, which was nine, and the highest number of pole positions being 14. So many saw this championship as a long time coming. Mansell was a talent and many had hoped or expected at least that he would win a championship sooner. Then, oddly enough, Mansell decided to take a break from Formula One. He moved over to that kart series that I mentioned in the U.S. He won that, had some time, had some great success over there, and then came back to Formula One in 1994 for another season with Williams. And now, as you can uh, assume from the comments that I've made so far, is that a theme of Mansell's career was how much he moved around. A lot of times now we see guys like 
Lewis, um, Max's contract, Charles's contract. A lot of guys are sticking with a singular team for a long time, uh, which can do with the amount of success they have in, uh, with the team and all that. But Mansell really jumped around. And he came back to Williams after that time away, but did not get the most welcome acceptance and was ultimately booted from the team after the season because they were opting for a younger talent of David Coulthard. And after that, he moved again to McLaren in 1995, was there very briefly. He and team boss Ron Dennis did not see eye to eye. And Mansell ultimately understood that he was really the second choice with the team because they couldn't attract Michael Schumacher. And they said, okay, who can we get now that we can't get our number one pick? And that kind of weighed heavy on Mansell, and that was part of the reason why he chose to depart after that. So moving on to his driving style, Mansell was actually nicknamed Il Leone, or the Lion, by the Tifosi, the Ferrari fans, for how fearless his driving style was considered by many. So in a lot of ways, he was just very aggressive, maybe considered less calculating and methodical as other drivers at the time, like Michael. Um, And Adrian Newey, who is responsible for a lot of Red Bull's aerodynamic prowess and success, especially with the dominance of the cars during um, prior to the hybrid era with Sebastian Vettel and his championship run, Newey said that Mansell and Max Verstappen have some similarities in their driving style. So in this interview, Newey said that what was dramatic about Mansell was that you always knew it was him in the car. So it was very memorable that you could tell it was him at the wheel. But uh, kind of there's two sides to this coin. Many didn't appreciate his aggressive style, as I think many don't appreciate Max's style, myself included. I think there's a, a line between aggressive and dangerous. And so in another article that I read, he, Mansell, created for himself kind of a siege mentality, which earned him a lot of fans rooting for him, but also plenty of enemies along the way. And he had this thinking that everyone was trying to hit him and put him out, which is not something I'm making up. This was actually said by former Williams boss, Patrick Head. So this very combative driving style coupled with Mansell's poor skills when it came to team and sport politics, kind of that wider situation of working with other people, being managed, having a teammate, all of that stuff would lead to a lot of altercations between team bosses, team members, other drivers, figures of authority. Mansell was really considered a magnet for drama and commotion. He and PK very famously did not get along. He and Alain Prost also more notably had plenty of issues and arguments while they were teammates at Ferrari because Mansell had a, he kind of was suspect about some of the actions that Prost was taking. He suspected that Prost had put in a lot of work with Ferrari management to convince them to back Prost over Mansell in the world championship battle which kind of goes into the conversation about 
having a number one and a number two driver, team orders, that whole discussion, I think, deserves its own episode because it's such an interesting problem, I guess you can say, about it that, you know, these two drivers are technically teammates, but they're also competing. And a team makes its choices about who they're going to support more than others, as much as they never want to use labels about who's a number one and a number two driver. You know it always exists. It's usually fairly obvious, especially on the top teams. And also there were there was suspicion about these alleged swapping of cars, actually, between Mansell and Pross, which I don't know if it was ever proven correct or if it was actually corroborated that that was real. But this kind of caused a lot of arguments between the teams. And I think it played a role in how Mansell was and has been perceived by fans as the years have gone on. That's all to say that there is a good, a bad, and an ugly side to most every single athlete's career in sports. And Mansell is no exception, but it it seems that he really captured the attention of so many Formula One fans during his prime time and beyond. He very much seemed to have his own sense of character. He didn't really deviate away from what he thought was right, and that did rub a lot of people the wrong way, but a lot of people, like we've seen with Max, it can certain personalities attract certain fans. And Mansell was certainly one of those that people kind of, some people loved and some people really did not love. But more than anything, really, people just liked to watch him. He was exciting. They never knew what he was going to do. He was unpredictable, entertaining, which is a lot of what Formula One is about, what makes the sport so exciting. So that will do it for this episode. Just know that if you see a vintage picture of Formula One of a driver with a fabulous mustache that is most definitely Nigel Mansell. So thanks for listening to this one. I will be back again with another one in a few weeks. Uh, Hopefully, maybe we'll touch on Miami. Maybe I'll have something new for you. So thanks again, and we'll see you soon.